You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. You know, we give up a big play on defense. Um, you know, the the last uh, possession when you got a chance to go down and win the game with a field goal is is a complete disaster. You know, those are the things that are causing us to causing us to lose. And uh, you know, until I can figure out a way to get it through there, you know, we got a one yard run and we get a, a block in the back, and now it's first and twenty. You know, things like that that uh, that the good teams don't do. I don't know. Uh, I wasn't wasn't really looking at the rush. I'll have to watch the film, and then I could better answer that question. But um, you know, I think they they uh, got 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 uh, home a couple times, and um, you know, just wasn't wasn't our best drive. Alrighty then. Vikings played a football game yesterday. We're going to talk about it here with our pie chart of blame off the top on Mackie and Judd. Also, uh, Vikings vent line. If you want to go watch that back or listen to it, you can find it on the Purple Podcast feed. Apple, Spotify, scorenorth.com, or youtube.com slash purple daily podcast. Uh, I know a business that could use some insurance. I mean, I know multiple aspects of a business that could use some insurance. They wear purple to work every Sunday. Um, Federated Insurance, here to help all kinds of businesses. You can find a full list of all the industries they protect at federatedinsurance.com. And be sure to follow Federated on Twitter at federatedins for great content for your business on all aspects of. Well, it's business protection, not necessarily pocket protection or quarterback protection, but for business protection, including disability income insurance, business succession planning, you name it. At Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Uh, I think uh, Justin played well today. You know, I wish Dalvin wouldn't have fumbled the ball on one play, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, I thought we competed today, uh, but we didn't, we didn't, we made too many mistakes to win the game. I think we, we ran the ball, you know, well and consistently. I think uh, we did a better job with time of possession. Um, I think we had some explosive plays, and um, you know there were a, a few things we can build on. Certainly, so anytime you you know, almost have 500 yards of offense and score uh, 30 points, you're you're doing something correct. Oh, there it was! Oh yeah, there it was! Yeah, I'm doing my job. Are you right doing there. yours, Jim? Oh, that reminds me so much. Danny Valencia. You guys remember Danny Valencia? Swaggy V. Swaggy V. When in doubt, swag out. That's right. Danny Valencia. There's a legendary story about Danny Valencia when he was in the Twins minor league system. I think he was. I think this was in Fort Myers. Don't quote me on that. But uh, the Twins minor league team got beat like whatever, like fifteen to three or something. They just got their asses kicked, like eleven to two. That's not what happened yesterday. We'll talk about all the things that happened yesterday. But I, I believe it was Valencia that walked into the clubhouse after the game and was like, "Well, don't look here." I had two doubles and three RBIs or whatever, and I'm pretty sure someone punched him. <laughs> like, for a quarterback to say that is pretty amazingly bad but, leadership, but here we are. No, but here's the best part now. So Zim was Zim said mistakenly, I've got to teach the, these guys what they're doing to lose games because the good teams don't. Okay, first of all, just say it. We're not a good team. 
Okay? So like, let's get past this notion of I can teach him. You can't. It's over. It's done. All right. So what does Zim have to do? He has to guard very closely. And I've seen this happen to decent teams. And we're talking a bad team here. He has to guard very closely on offense, turning on defense, and vice versa for the net, for the rest of this year. Because yesterday, look, Mike, Mike is really compromised. He can't get up there, despite the fact that I appreciate this. He can't get up there and tell us, um, you know what? I mean, offensively, that's a mess, chaos. I like hearing it. It's fun. But here's the problem. If you're the offense, you scored 30 points, right? So what are you going to do? You're going to look right back at Mike and be like, whoa, whoa, hold on a second here. So you're telling me that we were chaos and your guys gave up 31 to the Titans at home? This, it, this is the big. This is going to be the biggest thing. And Mike has never been here before with this team. The biggest thing he's going to have to do if he gives a damn is guard against defense turning on offense and and the blame game starting and it's going to start now. Yeah, and I and, and my rebuttal to that is not to you. I'm not shooting the messenger here. I, I I agree with your point. This is going to be an absolute thing to police and to have to manage now. And that's on Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer, you're not a defensive coordinator. You are the manager of egos, the manager of expectations, and 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 eventually uh, when you get to it on Wednesday with your new game plan, the fixer of this putrid start. But the first thing I would be thinking if I'm Mike Zimmer or if I'm anyone on the defensive side of the ball, if I'm Harrison Smith or somebody, I'd say, listen, obviously this is a train wreck defensively for a million different reasons. We just need you guys on offense to be a little bit understanding because defense has mostly carried this thing for six years. Six years, mostly defense, okay? And the offense has been good, too, during certain portions. And the defense certainly got it handed to them in the most important game of the seven years of Mike Zimmer in the NFC Championship game. But I would be saying, listen... Totally hear you on the 30 points thing. In general, if you score 30 points, it's on us as a defense. However, when you get the ball, regardless of what happened in the game, when you get the ball and you're down by one point and a field goal wins the game, that's not our fault if you train wreck that drive. So I think that's a good segue into... Now on Mackie and Judd... This chart makes it as clear as I can to you. The pie chart of blame. You want to blame somebody... The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Let's fire up some appropriate music here, Declan Goff, and let's go through, as we do after each Vikings game, a pie chart of blame or a pie chart of praise. We've yet to be able to dust uh, off the pie chart of praise, and we're almost a month into this thing. I'm okay with that. Judd Zolgad. Perfectly comfortable. Please do the honors. Lead us off. Okay. Let's see. What do we have here? One, two, three, four. I have five pieces of delicious Vikings lost pie. Which the by, Rock knows which, how by you the feel way, about pie. 31-30? Give it to me. That was fun. That was first a super weeks, fun football game. The first two weeks stunk. This was fun. And was. just because we're obviously going down uh, negative boulevard here, Justin Jefferson, bra freaking vote. That guy is a star. We're going to get into some of that. But Justin Jefferson oh, yeah, emerged as the star receiver that everyone was hoping he would be. He gets mentioned in my pie chart of blame, but not the putting the blame on him. Mm. All right. 25%. And I think that this is very fair. It's probably, it might be too little, actually. 25% goes to the head coach. Mike Zimmer again. If you really care about trying to win a football game, and speaking of chaos on that last drive, what didn't you have to utilize on that last drive? You had no timeouts left, in part because you again challenged a play that happened right in front of you in enticing-like fashion. Thought, if I saw it this clearly, the officials certainly did too. And he threw his challenge flag, and he was 
overruled. The call stood, I believe. And so 25% goes to Zimmer, clock management, Mm -hmm. just a lot of, just a lot of things, you know, and, and I get it. The, the notion that your cornerbacks were going to be okay is probably the most right now sing mind boggling single thing that Mike has done in seven years. Hey, on the clock management front, real quick, like I agree, there was that challenge was super weird. Like they had extra time to look at that. Did some coach say, "Go, you got to throw the flag"? No, I think Mike saw it. Mike saw it, it happened right in front of his bench, and he he is tice. He basically is like, I saw it clearly. It's like, Red no, flag. Like, it's like, like 19 replays. No. That should never come from the coach. It. it should always come from someone who watched the replay. Well, and, and the last thing that you should do is impulsively throw that flag, right? Like, you should never be, be like, I saw it clearly here. Okay, no, no, no. Bad idea. 25% Kirk Cousins. Hey, look. Um, Kirk Cousins has some skills, made some nice passes, but that last drive... No matter who you ultimately want to blame, boys, that last drive was a product of Kirk Cousins' mental state. And and the fact that nobody, I don't think there's anybody in this town other than the most uh, purple Kool-Aid drinking fan or Cousins apologist who saw the Vikings get that ball at the 25 of the of their own, 25, go to the 40 and thought to themselves, they're going to score here. So 25% goes to Kirk. I just, he's always going to have to accept some of the blame. And that last drive... Zim was right. It was just chaos. It was disgraceful. 10%, because I don't blame them completely, but it's just so hard to watch, is going to go to Holton Hill and the corners. Uh, Holton Hill almost had a pick yesterday, though. Well, that's the (laughs) problem, too. He dropped it. That's exactly the problem. Now, I'm, I'm beginning to think that Gladney has skills. Like, I think Gladney is going to be fine. Um, the Titans went at Holton Hill early and often, and it was almost like they said, okay, if this guy, if 24 is playing, we're going at him consistently. I think there's a chance that Holton Hill might just not be good. Like he might be, he might be Marcus McCauley and that's it. And so I'm going to give 10% of the blame to the fact that these poor corners get week after week trotted out there to basically get burned. 15% goes to offensive coordinator Gary Kubiak because of this one statistic. Justin Jefferson had two targets in the third quarter, one of which was a 71-yard touchdown, and was never targeted again in the fourth. That's impossible. Now, even if the Titans (laughs) rolled coverage and were like, oh my God, this guy's good, let's cover him. Wasn't he showing you that he's pretty damn good too? And the last time I checked, good receivers are covered. Dude, that is... He had zero targets in the fourth quarter. Yeah, he had two. He had That's nine for impossible. the game. Seven in the first two quarters, including catches of thirty-one and thirty yards. Dude, he, so he. This is the crazy thing. So that's yeah. a three-hour football game. He entered the game at noon as just kind of an unproven rookie guy. That ah, he's gonna be out there. Yeah, we'll see what he see what he can do. And by the end of the game. And I haven't watched the All-22, but by the end of the game, I mean, he's that. literally like 1998 Randy Moss. Oh, my God. Get the ball to this guy. Yes. Watch him make a play. Yes. And that, and you don't do that by act. You don't go for seven catches, a buck 75, no. and those two long plays. Like, you don't just like, B.C. Johnson doesn't just like stumble into a 7-175. <laughs> All due respect to B.C. Johnson. Yeah. Who may, may have just saw his playing time disappear. You know what? He's very important on special teams, Phil. <laughs> he's a very important special teams player. But, so you had nine targets. None in the fourth quarter when the game mattered most. I don't get that. That, to me, it's probably partially on Kirk, but I'm going to assess the 
majority of the blame and give 15% of my pie chart to uh, Gary Kubiak. Well, sorry to derail again. So on your Kubiak-Cousins point there for a second, Yep. I feel like the, the dynamic in this state right now is when you throw out the Justin Jefferson nugget and say, dude, th- this guy turned into Randy Moss 1998 before our eyes, and they just ignored him in the fourth quarter. Yep. Most people blame Kubiak for that. Kirk Cousins is the one that takes the ball under center, drops back to yeah, throw, and so, he's the one that ultimately gets to dictate where the ball goes. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and 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 that last pass, that last pass, that last futile pass, the intended target, Adam Thielen, of course. Yeah. Like Jefferson's on this huge day, and by the way, after what we saw on Sunday, if you're going to throw up a jump ball, like you've got your choice right now, Thielen, Jefferson. Is it really that tough? On fourth and twenty six, I'm, I'm going. I'm going Freddie Mitchell. I'm going Freddie Mitchell FedEx. on that play. Well, yeah. that I like to the, thank my that hands. Was the, that was the Packers. <laughs> Bleep poor defense. But I think I'm going Jefferson yesterday, and they didn't. Okay, that leaves twenty five percent of a pie chart to blame. And uh, I'm going to go back here every week that something like this happens because it is malpractice. Rick Spielman, twenty five percent. Oh my God, you have replaced. Elf line at right guard, who I thought was bad, with Drew Samia, who in the first quarter of Sunday's game, I kid you not, go back and watch the film, sacked Kirk Cousins. He was beaten so badly that he almost (laughs) grabbed him and was like, just go down, Kirk! And he sacked him. He helped. He deserves at least a half sack on the sack of his quarterback. Drew 25%. S- I mean, Drew Samia is terrible. Elfline was terrible. What? You know, you cut Josh Klein and you had no plan. Yeah, I, I was, I'll give you the Drew Samia stat when it comes back around to me. I'll oh. keep going. So oh, so that's your pie chart. Yes. Is that it? All right, speed through it again. Oh, okay, so I, I give 25% to Zim. I give 25% to Cousins. I give 25% to the GM, Rick Spielman. I give 15% to Kubiak because uh, Justin Jefferson had two targets in the second half total, which is ridiculous. And 10% goes to the poor cornerback starting with Holton Hill because... <laughs> I don't even blame you at this point. I just got to point you out. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Declan Goff, your pie chart to blame. All right, I'll start with the defense. I'll work my way uh, from the top to the bottom. 40% of this blame goes on the defense. 31 points. Uh, you had them basically cooked in the third quarter, up 12 points. You just got to hold, and you absolutely collapsed. Yes, these young corners have their lumps. There was some moments where Jeff Gladdy made some nice plays, but mostly got torched. Holton Hill was a disaster. Yes, the defense deserves the brunt of this blame. 40% of the pie to the defense. of this pie will go to the Vikings offensive line who were atrocious. A three-man rush. Three-man rush in those final on that final drive. And yes, some of this is on Kirk. I'm not gonna put a 100 percent No, it's illegal for him to take a step to the right and avoid pressure, just so you know. It's it's actually built into his contract. He's he's not allowed to move left or right when pressure is coming. Look, he'll watch the film, okay? Back off Kirk. Yeah. But then again, we'll roll him out to start the I almost said a word. Oh, start the game. Yeah, that was you know, not, like my god. That was that was as close <laughs> as you could possibly cow, get. That's as close as I've ever gotten. <laughs> it's um, a podcast. It's fine. You can believe it. I, I probably could have done it. Uh, but like, just the offensive line was horrible. We'll get into the Drusen Mia grades later. Twenty five percent of that pie goes to the offensive line. Ten percent on Mike Zimmer. Uh, Mike Zimmer with some again poor clock management. Um, I know he's been dealt a tough card with the young cats and the defense, but I thought it would at least be competent. At the worst, average. This is a bottom 10 defense right now. It's atrocious. And if Daniil Hunter does not come back after this week, which we don't know yet, um, it's going to be a very, very long year on the defense. 
10% of the blame also to Gary Kubiak. I, I'm still really confused on like what we're trying to do on offense here. Dalvin Cook's not on the field for that series that leads to the pick. Alexander Madison comes in, who I like. I really do like Alexander Madison. I just don't understand the usage of him when Dalvin Cook is running all over the place for almost 200 yards yesterday. And then, so, Yeah, go ahead. No, no, keep going. And then the final piece of, uh, of my pie will go to Kirk Cousins. 15% of the blame on Kirky Boy. Uh, I... I I feel like maybe I'm a little too harsh here because he nope. did he had a, a decent day. But again, Kirk, rise up, prove me wrong for once. Prove me, prove everyone else wrong. Prove the at at score North haters wrong for once, and you can't do it, dude. So running through that pie chart one more time: forty percent of the blame to the defense, twenty five percent to the offensive line, ten percent to Zimmer, ten percent to Kubiak, fifteen percent to Kirk Cousins. I love it. I love it. Um... On the Drew Samia front here, I'll get to the... Rock the, knows how you feel about pie. I'll get to the, the stat here within my pie chart of blame, but I actually... So you guys are giving blame to the coaching staff. I'm actually giving the coaching staff a break from this week's pie chart of blame for, hmm. for a couple reasons, okay? Okay. The roster on defense kind of is what it is. You, you're without Daniel Hunter, and you're with rookies all over the place in the secondary. Like, Anthony Barr is injured. It, it, really, it really is more on Rick Spielman than it is on Mike Zimmer, the, the state of the roster. And I think the only thing you can do as a defensive mastermind and coach is bend but don't break as much as possible. Like, there's no way that you're going to like avoid giving up three or 400 yards when you just don't have any personnel on defense. I think the coaching and the scheming comes in, all right, once that team gets inside the 25, inside the red area, inside the 20, what do you do to stop them and scheme sort of within the close parameters? And they held... Tennessee to a bunch of field goals. Like this thing could have gotten way. Oh, the out Titans of hand. aren't that good. No, they're not. The Titans. The Titans are simply yeah, not impressive. But the Titans are a playoff team. The Titans are yeah, at least a nine and seven, ten and six team. Yeah, they're, they're they're not a bad team. They're very plucky. And and Ryan Tannehill uh, maybe regressing a little bit from what he was last season, but he's also not a train wreck. Like the Tennessee Titans are just a solid team. They're not. Like they made a bunch of mistakes yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, but they also have enough playmakers to to overcome some of those things. Mm-hmm. I, and I actually think the Vikings' defense, for how little I expected of them to to hold Tennessee to a bunch of field goals and stay in the game, was actually a credit to the Vikings' defense. The one the one thing that I will blame on Zimmer is the hubris to go into the season with those corners was ridiculous, and, and so it's his fault. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I won't fight you too much. Like on you that. can't. That, you that's can't him do and that. that's him and Spielman together. Yeah. in that bundle. Uh, offensively, like there's things to nitpick for sure, and I will get to one major one. But ultimately, they moved the ball. They ran the ball for 226 yards. They put up, God, like 450 yards or 60 yards of total offense. Like they scored 30 points offensively. Gary Kubiak turned things around for the most part. So I let the coaches off the hook. Here's the rest of my pie chart. All right, okay. three pieces of pie. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. 30 percent goes to defensive injuries and inexperience. I'm just kind of bu- bundling all of that into one. Like they gave up too many points. The main reason for that is they don't have good enough players on defense. And so whether you want to put that on Spielman, Zimmer, Spielman, injuries, inexperience, it's all in the same piece of pie to me. It's like a strawberry rhubarb custard. There's like three or four ingredients. And it's over but it's here. Spoiled. It's one third of the pie. But it's spoiled. Yep, it is. It's not good. It's not good. It's been, it's in the been outside for a in week the sun. In. Yep, and it's going to give you poisoning. Twenty percent of my pie goes to the combination of Garrett Bradbury and Drew Samia, <laughs> and even just on the last drive of the game, like a bad snap in the shotgun formation from Bradbury and Cousins, either wasn't expecting it or it was wide to his right. I'd like to know the truth about that play. I would, too. And some of this, too, by the way, I'll get to the Cousins part of this, but 
not everything that happens bad to a quarterback is the offensive line's fault. There are things quarterbacks do to make offensive lines look better, to communicate better with offensive linemen. There's just like there's a there's a connection there that we can't ignore. And oftentimes we just 100% blame the offensive line. Now, Bradbury and Samia were trucked play after play after play, and I just pulled up the Pro Football Focus grades, the pass protection grades for this game, okay? A 1 to 100 scale. Pro Football Focus is basically a real-life Madden rating, and they grade for seasons, they grade for games. Garrett Bradbury in pass protection was 28.8 out of 100, which is awful. Like, one of the worst performances of the season so in you're pass protection. Telling me he's not improving. He's not. Well, he wasn't. He, he he's had better games than we've seen. Like he's had some decent right. games. I think his first couple weeks were but pretty like he's decent. He's not rising up to the what we were hoping. He, he was would a disaster yesterday. Is, is yeah, what this that's means. not good. Yeah. Okay. He wasn't even the worst pass protector on the team yesterday because Drew Samia was a one point four on a one to one hundred scale. I'm surprised you they got basically the said there is no way you could have done worse protecting your quarterback in this game than the way you perform for three hours, Drew Samia. I'm surprised. Bravo. I am surprised when when you help sack your quarterback. I'm surprised he didn't get a flat out zero. <laughs> I think that's like a fifty ding right there. If you if you literally he grabbed him, he, did he grabbed him and threw him down. Job. It was like oh my god, get out, get out of the pocket. It's so bad. However, my last piece of pie, 50% goes to the quarterback, Kirk Cousins. For the second week in a row, he gets 50%. And I know before I explain why, people are going to be like, you're always too hard on Cousins. Um, So many people yesterday just like on Twitter and interacting after the game, why are you always picking on Kirk Cousins, this and that? Throw for a second. Throw everything that happened in the first 58 minutes of that game out the window, okay? In the NFL, things happen. Sometimes defenses play poorly. Sometimes the game flow dictates that you have to come back or hold a lead. Like, a million things can happen in NFL games. Go look at all those games yesterday. The Bears were down by 20 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers got into a shootout in the second half, and they're going back and forth. Like, there's so many different game flows. And a lot of games, whether it's a shootout or whether it's a defensive battle, a lot of games come down to quarterback has the ball in his hand, with a chance to set up for a game-winning field goal or a touchdown if needed, right? So I'll throw everything that happened in the first 58 minutes out the window for a second. Kirk Cousins had the ball in his hand once again, a minute 44 left, one timeout, and the Vikings needed a field goal to win the game. Furthermore, the Vikings were gifted a 15-yard roughing the passer penalty that was, if we're being objective, a terrible call. There was like very minimal contact. It was maybe a grazing. Like I wouldn't have called it in that situation. Kirk Cousins got a gift. Now there's a minute 41, and you only need like 25 yards to get into Dan Bailey range, comfortable range, to win the game. And you wind up in a fourth and 26. I know people are going to say, well, yeah, but the offensive line, this and that. Like go back and watch some of those plays. Actually, go back to my Twitter timeline yesterday, and I gave you 11 years to the day. Brett Favre to Greg Lewis at the end of that Vikings 49ers game. And then there's another video you can find of Kirk Cousins with pressure coming in on that drive yesterday. Watch the way Brett Favre moves right of the pressure, steps up from more pressure, senses where the pressure is, finds a spot where he can unleash a throw 35 yards down the field. Mm -hmm. Kirk Cousins does not have that chip in his brain. If there's pressure... The play is over almost all the time. Like, he doesn't have the ability to just, like, sidestep or to give a little wiggle and move up in the pocket. And so 
I'm so frustrated. Like, I know that people are going to say, well, what about the Saints game? But the Saints game, he made a big throw the field. He did. But how many times are we going to refer to, like, the one time out of 100 Actually, that two. this guy stepped up in a spot like that? On, on that last Cousins pass, which was flat out a Hail Mary pass, okay? With the time left, a good, competent quarterback in that position. So I'm not saying that, that Kirk can't be good. But if you give a, a Brady or a Favre or a Rodgers or any of the litany of really good thinking, calm QBs, and what's funny is in the Miracle game, this included Keenum as well. What do they do? They roll, they look, and then they throw a real pass. That was not Hail Mary territory. That was actually, you look down the field and try, because the clock was not done. So that was not a, oh my God, it has to go to the end zone or it's done. That was actually, a, I got to buy myself time and I have to look down the field for potentially an extended period of time and I might get hit really hard. But what am I going to do? I'm going to make a pass that's a real pass, not an, oh my God, here, somebody just catch the ball yeah, pass. And yes, the offensive line was terrible yesterday for the most part. At least two-fifths of the offensive line was just egregiously bad in pass protection. And that matters and that did impact at least two or three of those plays on the final drive. But why is it that outside of the Saints game, and he deserves credit for, for the dime he threw to Adam Thielen, he stepped up in that game, that's one. That's one, okay? There's a there's a 16 regular season games, there's ideally three to four playoff games, right. and there's 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. And it's like we're looking at the one-time Kirk Cousins you know, did the opposite of what we're talking about here. Why is it that almost every other time in situations like those, minute 44 left, you just need, after the 15-yard penalty, you just need 25 yards for your field goal. Why is it that almost every single time it turns into a chaotic mess for the Vikings with Kirk Cousins on her center? And people refuse to criticize. Well, but, but, but. I mean, the guy makes a ton of money, and the guy makes the same mistakes time after time in those situations, and I'm tired of it, so in case you couldn't notice. And guess what? The Rock knows how you feel about pie. It is never going to end. It might end in in isolated games, but it is not. But this is him, and this is this is why I think, in retrospect, now Washington basically was like, "Well, you're pretty good, and we'll continue to franchise you, but we are not going to make a long term commitment to a guy." He just doesn't have. I, I honestly think that Kirk's problems, as far as being not just a good statistical QB, but taking the step up to being a good playoff QB that could potentially get you to a Super Bowl, I really think that they start far more between the ears than in the arm. I think it's just a mental thing, and and he does. Look, play the clip again. Mike Zimmer barely criticizes him, like barely. And he basically lumps the whole offense together. And Kirk can't handle that. You know, we give up a big play on defense. Um, You know, the the last... uh possession when you got a chance to go down and win the game with a field goal is is a complete disaster you know those are the things that are causing us to causing us to lose and uh you know until i can figure out a way to get it through there you know we got a one yard run and we get a, a block in the back and now it's first and 20 you know things like that that uh that the good teams don't do i mean he could barely handle that though yeah you'll have to ask coach what coach meant Coach yeah, meant he, get your head out of your rectum and make the play. Yeah, he meant that it was a complete disaster. We all saw it. And by the way, like, let's say it's actually 90% on the offensive line. There's probably smarter people than me are going to say, all right, and overall your point about Kirk Cousins is well taken, but in that situation, 
Uh, unless you're a mobile quarterback, you're just not going to be able to escape that. And I'll listen to that point. But it bothers me that time and time again, at Chicago last year, at Green Bay, like whenever you're in a situation where your quarterback, Kirk Cousins, can win the game for you, it's always something. Yeah. It's always something. Yes. The guy has two game-winning drives in his Vikings career, including the postseason. Ryan Tannehill has 10 in yep. the last three years. And, and you, Why is that? And you can't make as much as Kirk does and then skirt the blame. It doesn't work that Correct. way. So that is your Mackie and Judd pie chart of blame here following. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Man. Um, and more deep dives to Purple Daily. If you're not already subscribed and listening to Purple Daily, Apple, Spotify, ScoreNorth.com, then um, you're going to miss Justin out on Jefferson, a though, week. man. Breakout game. That was yep. awesome. This kid's going to be damn good. I hope they can target him more than twice in the second half against the, the Texans next week. I mean, so now that they've, I mean, Justin Jefferson, I, you know, we'll see what happens the rest of the season here, but the eye test, the stats, like everything says, whoa, this dude's our, like, this is a top 20 wide receiver in the NFL right now. Yeah. And that would mean the Vikings have two top 20 wide receivers, if not two top 15 wide receivers, and one of the best running backs in the NFL, and a couple of pass catching tight ends that can do some damage too. Like they have, Really, really good weapons on offense, and Thielen is great with a sidekick. Yeah, like Thielen is. If you if you send him out there, which they basically did in the first two weeks, and say go get him, son, he's okay, and he's going to make some unbelievable uh, headsy catches. Okay, but he is who he is too. But if you say here's Stefan Diggs, or in, in this case here is Justin Jefferson, guess what? That transcends him into being a different player too. So I would just hope that the the uh, realization from the coordinator and quarterback are there, that you are, and by the way, too, this is another Kirk thing, you're going to have to make passes to Jefferson that you probably are like, I don't know, but you're going to have to do it. Yes. Like, you can't be like, well, he was covered. Okay, I can't, I can't go downfield. I can't do that. Look, at some point in time here, you're going to have to put the trust in this kid that if you give him a chance, just like with Diggs, in the past, if you give him a chance to make a contested catch, he's going to make it. Yeah, we also didn't even get into the on the Kirk Cousins side of the, of the the game. We didn't even get into the pick six that he threw that got called back for just the most ridiculously Which, stupid penalty. Jadeveon Clowney. What the hell was he doing on that? They got no points on that. No, yeah, they, they went point. backwards. Yeah, they they went backwards. Yeah, but that that would would be if that pick six had held up and to Phil's point, Clowney hadn't taken that stupid penalty. That would be a huge talking point, too, because that pass was just atrocious. It sailed high, and uh, yeah, it was bad. Yeah. So uh, plenty more meat on that bone the rest of the week, but I think, uh, and also based on the feedback from fans on Ventline yesterday, again, you can go watch that back. On, uh, you can find it on the Purple Daily Podcast feed, or you can watch it back on YouTube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. A lot of people saying kind of the best of both worlds and that you had a breakout performance from Justin Jefferson and the Vikings lost, which keeps you in the mix for a high draft pick in 2021 if that's what you're rooting for. So um, 0-3. How can you not be? Daniil Hunter, we don't know what the status of him is. He is eligible to come back this week. I would recommend at this point that they just slow play that. See what happens. Oh, yeah, no. If you win a game against Houston and then beat Seattle somehow and you're back to 2-3, and then okay, you can... Maybe discuss again. But, By the uh, way, they won't be flexing out uh, Sunday Night Football against the Seahawks. The week five is the first time the NFL could do that. They're going to keep 
Russell Wilson obviously is still pretty damn good, but they're going to keep that in there. They did move the Broncos and Patriots game, I think, up or something, but but they will not be flexing out the possible 0-4 Vikings on Sunday Night Football. Would NFL Network like to flex this coming Thursday night oh. game between the Jets and the Broncos? Could, they could have flexed the, last week's out. Oh, God, Miami and who? Oh, Jaguars? Jaguars, yeah. They can't, this, can they flex these Thursday games? No, they can't. But th- so. these Thursday games remain the greatest example of the popularity of a league because never before have we gotten a package consistently with so much crap. Like the Monday night games, because they're set in stone, they they get worse sometimes because of unexpected circumstances towards the end, right? But, you know, they start off okay. And, there are, and by the end, there are a few clunkers, and we complain about them. But look through the history of the Thursday night package. It is hilarious. Yeah, it's 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 questionable matchups and just like guys are too banged up. It's been five days. But <laughs> Jaguars and the Dolphins are like Dex, Dex just said about this Thursday. We all still watch though, baby. I know we, we do. We all still watch. Train wreck. All right. Uh, the other big thing to come out of this weekend, the Minnesota Twins are once again your American League Central division champions and we're going to talk to our old friend Matt Thomas because we not only have Twins Astros this week, we have Vikings Texans this week. So it's a Minnesota oh, versus Houston Bill O'Brien week. questions. Questions about one of the biggest buffoon coaches. <laughs> 0-3 versus 0-3, so uh, we'll do that. It's a big step, and uh, it deserves the, the time and the acknowledgement, and it's a great day to you know, be able to go out there on the field, put up a banner in front of you and take a picture. It's a lot of fun, and we also know we still have a lot of work to do, but right now we're going to have some fun with this. This is a great day for us. Twins win the division. They come from behind in the final week, and you can listen to Twins Astros game one on score North on either AM 1500 at one o'clock on Tuesday or live.scorenorth.com. Actually, I take that back. You can't listen online. You can only listen on AM 1500. I don't want to give misinformation here. I don't want to give fake news to the, I was all excited to the public. Now um, I'm out. See you. Bye. Mackie and Judd, our friend, Matt Thomas from sports talk, seven ninety in Houston. Uh, we have not talked to you since the Astros got caught banging on trash cans and cheating. Uh, but also, it's a double dip. We get we get Vikings and Houston Texans in a pillow fight this weekend, Matt. So we're we're pumped for this week. Hello, fight, huh? Okay. <laughs> you know, you know, you you call the dog when he's down. You just you, know, you guys want to both kick me? Just just go on. Just get it out of your system. <laughs> Have you seen the Vikings, Matt Thomas? Yeah, what the no hell? one's kicking anybody here. And what the hell happened to the Rockets? I mean, my God, make a shot oh, once in a while. Now you're personal. You know, I'm surprised the Comets have can't come back and get their ass kicked by the Lynx. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, by the way, my Cougars, Houston Cougar football team, can't play anybody because every time we want to play somebody, COVID outbreak. So, I mean, I don't know. Golf busy? Yeah, maybe. It's, it's, it's 2020, man. 2020, Matt. It just sucked, okay? <laughs> Been tough for us all. So, all right. So, I, I, again, I, we're walking into this. I, I don't even really know like what what the tone of your show has been like throughout the last few months. But this, the Astros, to me, outside looking in, it's pretty easy to say, "Wow, Jose Altuve! Uh, look at the drop yep. in numbers. Look at Alex Bregman! Like OPS drop of three hundred points or whatever. A little tougher to hit when you don't know the answers to the to the test, right? Um, so, what is the current status of the Astros going into these playoffs? Uh, well, Jose is having his worst season by far. Uh, no question about that. This is a guy that has lived with an OPS of well over 900 and it's 
I stopped looking at it when it was like five ninety, so uh, I had to move on. Um, I, I honestly, guys, it's a combination of uh, the findings that Major League Baseball had. It's the losing the general manager, it's losing the manager. It's a sixty-game season. It's the starting and stopping, which everybody can blame. I mean, there's no the Astros aren't exclusive to that. It's just been a combination of things. Uh, the A's have been basically the thorn in their side the last couple of years and played really, really well. But the number one thing, and I'm not trying to be an apologist, but please accept it, you lose your Cy Young, you lose your Rookie of the Year, you lose basically every member of the uh, lineup at some point due to uh, you know the fact that you know uh, injured list came into play. You lost a really solid middle relief guy and, and Joe Smith, who decided not to play because of COVID. Um, you know, Roberto Osuna's gone, the closer. So now Ryan Presley, who's a terrific setup guy, is now just a mediocre closer. It's a combination of elements. But what I would like to do is I'd like to see the Houston Astros at full strength with a real roster. And the number one thing is, gentlemen, there are 10 different pitchers on this baseball team this year at least the last time I checked, that made their major league debut. Hmm. You just can't overcome that. Hey, Matt, who, who uh, is going to probably start game two for Houston, and, and what type of chance does that guy give the Astros? Because that, to me, is going to be the key thing, is the one weird thing about this series is it's going to be so short. So if you get back-to-back good starts, it's going to give your team a pretty good chance. You know, they've got the two candidates, uh, Christian Javier, who has been this rookie that has been really, really good. He's getting better as the season moves along. Actually, there's three candidates. Romber Valdez, who I just thought was nothing more than a, just an arm before the start of this season. He has uh, blossomed. I still want to go with Jose Urquidy. This is a guy that has been there and done that. Uh, he did win a World Series game for the Astros last year against the Nationals, so he knows the pressure of big-time postseason baseball. The thing about Jose is, you know, you just don't know what you're going to get in terms of length. He does, however, go on six uh, innings plus the last couple of times out, which has been very encouraging. This is, And he's also a guy that's not tired, frankly, because he didn't even step on the field for the Astros until early September because he was fighting COVID. So uh, with a plethora of options, which is pleasant because, you know, when JB's your number one guy and he's gone for the year and Zach Greinke has kind of uh, fallen off the map the last month or so, they've got some options. But I would like to go with experience. As strange as that may be sound with three young pitchers, and I will go in that particular case, I'd like to see Jose Ortiz get the spot in game two. What has been the Dusty Baker dynamic there? I thought that was such a contrasting, interesting hire, and it, it kind of felt like, all right, they're bringing in the exact opposite. They're just bringing in someone who has a ton of experience, and he's old school, and he's going to shape this thing up. What what has been what has Dusty been like as a manager? Well, uh, Dusty Baker, before the pandemic, you know, I was down in spring training, and he was just kind of getting to know the players. Uh, I don't think he had a real firm grasp of the organization, uh, but learned on the spot by the day. He's got a great supporting staff around him, and Brett Strom is their pitching coach, probably one of the most uh, highly respected guys in the business. So he, so Dusty gives Brent, you know, carte blanche with how to, to work in pitchers. Uh, so as he's learned the team and the team's getting ready to go, you know, baseball obviously stops. Um, he is old school. He is so how much analytics you're playing in 2020, to be honest with you. I think he was brought in, frankly, guys, to calm the waters, which would be a turbulent storm of every city you go to, 25, 30, 40,000 people are going to boo at them and cheat and signs up and all that kind of thing and trash cans. But that obviously hasn't been a factor. So 
Uh, I would say, you know, it has been a major disappointment this year. This team is where this is. But, again, I would like to give Dusty a blank slate for next year mm-hmm. if that indeed happens. And, you know, with a healthy roster and figuring out what they're going to do in free agency, they've got a lot of maneuvers to make. Uh, George Springer is going to be a free agent at the end of the year. In fact, right now the entire outfield is going to be a free agency uh, spot next year. So he might not have the same Astros that A.J. Hinch and Jeff Leno built the last handful of years. So, Matt, my guess is is that if the Twins were pumped full of truth serum, they would tell you that, that the Astros were definitely the team that they wanted to play and that they don't scare them. Can you give me a compelling case or reason why that would be incorrect and the Astros actually could be dangerous in a best two or three? Yeah, I can do that. Uh, first of all, as you guys know, anything can happen in three-game series. So that, let's put that with any postseason matchup. Uh, you know, during the regular season, a 100-loss Detroit team can beat the New York Yankees two out of three. So I use that as the first level of optimism. Secondly, boys, this team still has Alex Bregman, who finished second in the MVP. It still has a former MVP in, in uh, Jose Altuve. It's got one of the best leadoff guys in George Springer. Zach Greinke, you know, let's face it, there was a lot of uh, – skepticism about you know what kind of pitcher he was going to be uh, when the Astros acquired him from Arizona last year, and all of a sudden he's pitching the Astros into a seventh-inning lead in Game 7 of the World Series. So I, if, I get, if the Astros get good Zach Greinke, the one we saw for basically the first, I don't know, 40 games of the season, uh, they're in a good spot. If the Astros can score runs like they did five off of Kenley Jansen in a series against the Dodgers a few weeks ago in Los Angeles, that's the kind of team. So I would say this. And the Astros, I want to say, help me out, boys. They have, they have hit the ball pretty well at Target Villa. Yeah, I don't have the I, I, I don't have the not. yeah I don't have the stats in front of me, but I feel like I feel like there's a lot of teams that have hit the ball well at Target Field, especially up until the last couple of years, because the Twins were also so bad and their pitching was so bad when the Astros were getting good. It's hard to parse apart. Yeah. Are they good at Target Field or were they just good against like you know Mike Pelfrey? I don't know. But, Correct. Yeah. So I would say this, Judd, to give you a long-winded answer. It's still the heart of the lineup is healthy. The starters I just mentioned that may not start may become middle relief guys. And so, and maybe, you know, Ryan Presley can come back against his old teammates and, and show them one, one thing or two. So, again, I, I don't think the Astros are going to win, uh, but it would be far from a surprise if they did. So, the, the Twins have some very interesting and volatile personalities. Uh, Sergio Romo likes to start things, yep. and Josh Donaldson loves to chirp. And the Astros, are, I think, I think there's there's certain people and teams that have yet to get their uh, comeuppance against the Astros in their mind. So if I set the over under at one point five bench clearing incidents of some kind, are you taking the over or the under for this week? Uh, the under. There are many more teams that would like to get into brawls with the Astros than the Minnesota Twins, I would presume. So yeah. this is playoff baseball, boys. And I, I, you know, I don't know how mad the Twins are. Frankly, uh, I would think probably. The Dodgers probably are pretty grumpy. The Red Sox are pretty grumpy. The Yankees, the Do- you know, the A's. I-, I don't know. I to me that has been a storyline that has been way overblown. In fact, for the- about the first two weeks of the season, we kept track of number of hit by pitch uh, the Astros had, and I think the Astros, for the most part, and I've not looked in probably three or four weeks since football started, but the Astros were among the lower third in terms of guys that were being hit. So I think that is an overblown storyline. It might have some more heat next year when we're playing in front of fans and people can scream and yell but as far as i'm concerned i think it's a non-issue the the one thing that would be great fun and we're not going to get would be if rich hill was going to start 
because Rich Hill has been has talked about this. In fact, I believe that he was on the Dodger team in 17 that yeah, lost in the World Series. And Rich right. Hill was PO'd. Rich Hill, I'm not saying that, that Rich would purposely hit guys, but Rich would be the, the wild card dynamic of a guy who's wound incredibly tight and I think still will seek vengeance at some point in time. So, but, but he's, it's going to be, uh, what? Maeda, Barrios, Pineda. So Hill might be on the playoff roster. I'm not sure about that, but I don't think he's going to pitch necessarily. I mean, to be honest, would you? I mean, the Twins have finally get to play a, a non-Yankee team in the postseason. He, I, I would assume that Minnesota fans would not want to lose a series because of a French clearing brawl and somebody getting ejected because they were trying to get sassy with the Astros. Correct. So, no, the only way I, I, I would look at is if it's right. game two, they're already down a game and it's nine to one. Now I'm going for Alex Bregman, maybe. But that's Rock, that, <laughs> Rocco ain't doing that, though. He gets so mad about I, that. I feel, I feel like I'm talking to Buster Olney right now. For the love of God, boy! Come on. Uh, no, I, I think I think you nailed it, Matt. I think, and I mean, and for people like Matt used to host on AM 1500 here in the Twin Cities when the Twins were in the Ron Garden hire division winning era, and it's like when you like the Twin the you you had been gone for you've been gone for ten or eleven years now. Yeah. Uh, you've got to go back five more years before you find the last Twins playoff victory. So let's let's start there this week, and then may, maybe we can add uh, sixteen games. Phil insult to the Astros later. We'll see. So um, good stuff, man. We love talking to you, and uh, we're looking forward to to this week. A massive week between Houston and Minnesota sports teams. Matt, Thomas. Bill O'Brien, man, heck of a job by Bill O'Brien. Oh my God, Ugh. what a disaster. What a horrible coach, a bad person, and a terrible GM. Other than that, he's great. <laughs> that was really good. Patrick right there, Matt Thomas. Thank you. I, let me say something. I'm going to go old school on you. I would take Brad Childers here in a heartbeat. Whoa. Heartbeat. Wow. Oh. Wow. Matt Thomas oh. and I both on the Brad Childers bandwagon, baby. I don't. Let's make it happen. Wow. Come on. It's that bad, huh? Oh, and by the way, if the, if the Texans don't make the playoffs, you're like, okay, great spot for the draft. No, the Miami Dolphins have their first and second round picks. Oh. oh, from the Tunsil oh, trade? No. For Laramie Tunsil. Laramie Tunsil trade, okay. <laughs> wow. Other than that. Other than that, things are... Hang in there, buddy. Great, Hang man. in there. Talk to y'all soon. Bye, Matt. All right, that's Matt Thomas from Sports Talk 790 in Houston. He's also the in-arena host for uh, Houston Rockets games, home games, and he does Astros pre and post, too. So he's he's got his finger on the pulse. And for, for people who are old school AM 1500 listeners here in the Twin Cities, Matt Thomas hosted the nighttime sports show for several years between like 2005 or 6 and 2009. Mm-hmm. And so he's been he's been a friend and and just a fun guy to talk to for both of us. But um, on this Twins Astros front, we've got the game times. We've got the pitching matchup. So the Twins are going to be, I think, first out of the gate tomorrow. It's the first they playoff are. game. First, yep. Out of any of them. Monday, Tuesday, or Tuesday. Wednesday, right? Yes. First game? Tuesday at 1 o'clock. And again, you can listen to that on AM 1500 here in the Twin Cities. And then on Wednesday, game two is going to start at noon. So uh, we're going to know we're going to know pretty quickly here within about forty eight hours whether the Twins are well. I guess there could be a game three too on Thursday. But what are your overarching thoughts now that you saw a chaotic Sunday play out and uh, and you know that the chips fell where they needed to fall for I would say the most ideal first round matchup for two reasons: the Astros are the worst team entering the playoffs. They just are. It's a fact. It's not the Astros of old. They don't have the. They don't know what pitches are coming, and and their offense is not nearly what it was. 
Garrett Cole is gone. Justin Verlander's gone. Yep. Uh, and it's just, if it works out the way that it should and the Twins beat the Astros, it would be fun to just boot their asses from the playoffs and send them home. Uh, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are, I would. I think that there is a case to be made that as far as the Twins and Vikings go, there has never been a better day in Minnesota sports where both teams lost. Because the Vikings, look, they're bad. It's fine. They're just bad. The Twins, I thought to myself, are they really going to come back now and try and beat the Reds? This is perfect. So if they had come back and beat the Reds, they would have bumped up to the two seed and played the White Sox, who fell to seven. And they could beat Chicago, okay? I get that. But Chicago's a nice team, and they've got some power, and they, they've uh, tailed off as the season has come to an end. But they also could come back and hit home runs, and they sort of scare you. The Astros don't. It was the ideal having the White Sox lose to the Cubs, which gave the Twins the division title, and then having the Twins fall to the three seed. It was a perfect day. And the Astros, to your point, Phil, I just don't think are good. I mean, could could they win two games? Obviously, as Matt said, yes, they could. But if you were to give me the matchups of, you know, Cleveland potentially or the White Sox, or I, I think there was a small chance the Twins could play Toronto going into Sunday, of all of those teams, Houston. And yes, if you can boot Houston, guess what? Everybody in baseball likes you too. So... It's perfect. And it'll be fun to see if Sergio Romo gets a big out or, or ends a game or whatever it is, just to see like if he strikes out Alex Bregman or something to to wrap the series. I just, think like, Serg- what his reactions. I think be. Sergio though was talked to. In fact, the last time I saw Sergio get a big out, which was last week, I believe, at some point in time, he was very sedate. I think he was talked to. I think they've basically said tone it down now. Yeah, some of that might go yeah. out the window once you get to. I know, but Rocco, that's the, Rocco's weird in that way. I, I could see that the only thing that I think would actually raise his ire is that I think he's going to be very, very specific about we are we are not going to get involved there, which is not fun. But that's the one thing is I don't think he likes the extracurricular stuff at all, and and it's actually the only time that he gets um, a bit critical of his players, like with uh, Josh or with Sergio. The only time that I've I've sort of think that he's gone after his players is when they push that. So who knows? So the I, I think the Twins can beat the Astros without Byron Buxton and Josh Donaldson because I think almost anyone can beat anyone in a three-game series mm-hmm. and maybe even a five-game series. I don't think the Twins can win the World Series unless both of those guys are healthy and playing in these playoffs. So the range of what could happen here over the next month, I think it comes way down if Buxton's out. Um, and, and so just to recap, like Buxton got uh, – Sims was the pitcher for the Reds, right? What's yeah. it? Yeah. Matt Sims? Matt Sims. Something like right. that? Yep. Uh, so, so I just want to point out – and I, I, I know he felt terrible because he immediately put his hands on his head like, oh, my God. But that was one of the most egregiously bad misfirings I've ever seen in a major league game. If you go back and watch that pitch, mm-hmm. the catcher was set up low and away for a fastball. Mm-hmm. Low and away for a fastball. Mm-hmm. And that dude hits Byron Buxton, a right-handed hitter, who doesn't really crowd the plate. Like he's, you know, he's not up on the plate like David Ortiz used to be on the left side. And he lets that ball get away. It hits Byron Buxton in the head. Thank God it was a glancing blow, but the Twins tried to say, "Well, it's, it's he's got a of all the different concussion symptoms you can have, he only has some of them." It's like he has a concussion. Yeah. And the Twins aren't going to go full frontal on it just because they've been secretive about injuries. It started but, off with head contusion. 
Yeah, he has a concussion. There, yeah, head contusion. So how hmm. quickly can he come back from whether it's a mild concussion or not? Like Declan had a mild concussion a month ago. I've I had a mild concussion. But like you ain't playing baseball. But his in problem three days. is that not he, playing baseball. But his problem is that his concussion history goes back to his high school days in yeah. playing football. That's the problem. So if this was con- concussion one, I'd be like he'll be fine. Yeah. But he, he had a concussion in, or he he had them playing high school football. He he had the the brutal one at New Britain when he collided with Quaznica and had to go. He was taken off the field. He was knocked out and was taken off the field in an ambulance. He had the one last year in Cleveland where he came in and made that great diving catch and basically whiplashed his head. And so your problem now is you're probably, when it comes to Byron Buxton's past, you're probably now at what, six concussions or more? That's the problem. Yeah. And, and so that's where it gets scary. And then, you know, the twins are calling Josh Donaldson. That's just a little uh, calf cramp. It's a calf cramp. Well, it's the same calf injury that has knocked him out for chunks of seasons in the past, including this one. And um, I just, like, I'm not buying that, like, oh, it's just, just a couple little things that they're just give, give, give guys a couple days of rest over the weekend. They'll be back on Tuesday. I would actually be very pleasantly surprised if either of these guys played in the series against the Astros. Mm-hmm. I'm not reporting that. Mm-hmm. It's just a gut feeling I, I watching the way that they operate. I agree with that completely. I think it's a less than 50% chance that these guys play in the series. Josh will play. I My guess is Josh will play when Josh tells them he's going to play. He, he will dictate to them. Buxton will not. So let's say they play game one. You go up 1-0. Do you rest them game two? Uh Let's say the Twins go up you, game one. If they're good to play, you have to play you have them. To play them. I will tell you this. In my opinion, you will rest Josh when Josh tells you. I, I think Josh has called his shots. And, and look, mm-hmm. he, he sat out for a long time. Um, but he, he said, so on, on the Zoom call that he did a couple weeks back where he came out and ripped the umps, before that he said to a question, I'm not playing tonight. Um, Rocco has been trying to get me to sit, and I agreed tonight basically. So Donaldson very much appears to be in control of when he plays and when he does not play. Buxton, because it's ahead and because he probably does not carry the same cachet as far as dictating things as Josh does, I think Buxton will be completely up to the team doctors. Yeah. So it's and they're not and the, the twins aren't going to be super forthright here, although they do have to put out a roster, but are we going to get that roster before Tomorrow. Tuesday? Tomorrow morning, I think. Okay. So. I think right before the game, basically, we'll get it at some point in time. Maybe because they play the first game at 1, it'll be late tonight. But uh, the indications I got when I asked about it over the weekend were that we would see it on Tuesday morning at some point. Okay. So uh, we we will be doing, too, just just so everyone knows, uh, we will be doing live Mackie and Judd shows right after these games are over. And you'll be able to find those on Score North Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube.com slash Score North MN. So any of those three platforms, you'll be able to listen to us and watch us Judd from the stadium as we break down whatever happens in these Twins games. So ordinarily, we uh, just for the the audience, we we pre-record this show in the mornings. We're just going to do it as a live post-game show, and then have Mackie and Judd act as the uh, the reaction show. And we might even be able to bring some people in too. We'll we'll see. We'll, we're going to try and we're going to try fun and, on Vikings. Yeah, Ventline's been, been awesome, man. A lot of fun. People have been really, really good. Yep. And so that's uh, if you missed Ventline yesterday, go check that out on on the other YouTube channel, youtubecom slash Podcast. But guys, should we just go right into football? Things we learned from NFL Sunday. Let's I think do so. It. Let's. There's a, l- a lot of things to be learned yesterday. A lot like that Sunday night game between the Packers and the Saints. Some okay. things to be learned. So Judd Zolgad. Come on, football. Football. 
Speaking of that game, what'd you learn? There's not going to be a shock, but I think we have now three weeks in officially learned this. Aaron Rodgers ain't washed. Mm-mm. No, he's not. And if anything, he back. Um, I don't know if the drafting of Jordan Love basically has done exactly or, or had a weird, almost desired effect by the Packers. Whatever the case, heck, it might be no fans. He he went into two of the loudest domes or enclosed stadiums in the league with no fans and drew the opposing team offside, right? Yes. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I have learned, we have learned, if he was gone, if he was starting to be washed, he's not now. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I think the and we were all on this train going into the season. Not that he was washed, but on the train of the Packers are going to take a step back. The Vikings might even be able to win the division as the Packers take a step back. The Packers look better than last year. I don't know if that results in a 13-win season again because I think they were fortunate to get that many wins last year. Yep. But the Packers are very, very clearly the class of the NFC North at this point. Yeah, I would, I would call them Football. the class of the NFC. I think, I think they're the best team in the NFC right now. I know Seattle's really good, too. Obviously, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are probably going to be going up to head-to-head as MVP candidates, but I think Green Bay is the best team in the, uh, in the NFC. Excuse me. Boy, ah, it's tough to fight you on that. I'm trying to think of who. I mean, the, I would say the Seattle Seahawks are, it's, it's, right now it's kind of Packers and Seahawks yeah. fighting for that top spot. San Francisco might have something to say in that, now the Giants are bad, but San Francisco with Nick Mullins at quarterback when it, and, and all these big-time injuries went into New York and just handed it to the Giants. 36 to 9, but I feel like San Francisco is too ravaged with injuries and they're playing a backup quarterback, so they're probably a step down from both Seattle and Green Bay at this point. How about the Giants? Bad. They're very bad. <laughs> Thank you. And now Saquon Barkley is the, out. So. The entire East is brutal. Yeah. And has been, been, and has been and has for been. the most part for how long now? A long time. Is this three years? I feel like yeah. the East has just been really crappy. It's been awful. Well, Philadelphia won the Super Bowl and then they've mostly, the whole division's been Doug crappy. Peterson's yeah. fallen apart as a coach. Come very, on! Very weird. Carson Wentz. Football! Uh, I, I learned, I'll, I'll, I already mentioned the Seattle Seahawks, I learned that Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in the NFL. I know Pat Mahomes is Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson is the reigning MVP, but have you guys seen what Russell Wilson has been doing so far this season? And every year, but like in particular yes. this season. Yes, it's incredible. The Seahawks have made a concerted effort to, as they're, as they're tweeting, hashtag let Russ cook. <laughs> and Russell Wilson now has back-to-back five touchdown games for Seattle. What's going to happen to the Vikings there? Bad things. <laughs> yes. Very, very bad things. Touche, Phil. He's the type of quarterback, even if Daniil Hunter was playing and you could get pressure on him, Wouldn't he matter. can evade pressure and he can look down the field. And DK Metcalf had his Deshaun Jackson moment yesterday, but Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, like it's a it's a problem in Seattle right now to to hold that team under thirty points. Football. Back to me? Yep. On a sad personal note, I have <laughs> I have learned or I learned that um, my Arizona Cardinals will no longer be number two in the Zolgad Power Rankings th- this week after they not only lost but they lost to the Detroit Lions and Matt Patricia and I believe my guy Kyler, who I've been touting through two weeks as at least an MVP candidate offensively. I believe he threw something like three picks. Um, it's over. As far as the gr- the run of top five, you knew that greatness. you were reaching there. Anyway. I did, but I didn't expect the loss to come against the Detroit Lions. I got the disre- lo- your 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 disrespect for the Lions is too aggressive. They are not the train wreck that you think they are. Okay, but I still didn't expect the Cardinals to lose to them. I'm very disappointed, and so I learned that the the Cardinals' dream 
that I took through two weeks is probably now, at least that portion of it is dead. Football. I think it was on Purple Daily towards like the beginning of June when we when we first did MVP candidates and we all laughed when we said Josh Allen was a dark horse to win MVP. This dude legitimately could actually win MVP. Yeah, <laughs> this is freaky. It's ridiculous. The last fourteen games, including that clunker of a playoff game, I know, but even in that, the last fourteen games for Josh Allen, twenty three touchdowns, just three interceptions, and he is balling out right now. Him with Stephon Diggs is Love awesome, and I know they almost blew that lead. To the, well, they did blow the lead to the Rams. They had to come back and win it. But the Bills are legit, man. Yes, there's a there's a story. I can't remember if it's the Athletic, but well, it was just it's it's a story about uh, Josh Allen's quotes from yesterday, just praising Stefan Diggs for his leadership behind the scenes and his unselfishness and and how he basically says like make the right play, don't worry about throwing it to me, but if I'm open, give me a chance. Like and how just he literally gushing about how much he loves Stefan Diggs as a teammate. It's no coincidence that his first ever 300-yard passing games, which I believe are all of them, I think he has three 300-yard passing games this year, uh, and he came into the season with none. I think I think that's accurate. No coincidence that Stefan Diggs is a, is a huge part of that. So come on, football! And finally, I learned that the three and and0 Chicago Bears have finally moved on from Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> So Trubisky threw just a god-awful interception in the third quarter yesterday as the Bears were trailing the Falcons at one point by, I believe, three touchdowns. Are you telling me the Falcons melted down? I'm really, really surprised. The Falcons have set an NFL record with back-to-back 15-plus point blown fourth quarter leads, and that doesn't count the Super Bowl blown lead from four years ago or oh whatever gosh, it was. Yeah, But Nick Foles came in, and he throws for a buck 88 in the second half, three touchdowns and one interception, and he is now the new starting quarterback for the 3-0 Chicago Bears. So the Bears are 3-0, the Packers are 3-0, and the Vikings are 0-3. So, yeah. Is Dan Quinn coaching the Falcons when the Falcons uh, play here, which I believe is the Vikings' next home game after back-to-back road games in Seattle, or I'm sorry, in Houston and Seattle? Is Dan Quinn going to be coaching the Falcons tomorrow? In three weeks. No, but I'm saying that. But I'm saying when does Dan Quinn get fired? He has to be fired. Like you can't. I, I'm actually kind of surprised this. he hasn't been fired. I, know. Today I would have fired him at the end of last <laughs> year. Know. Arthur Blank won't fire him. It's amazing. Well, he did get him to a Super Bowl and at, at okay. a 25-point lead in the Super Bowl. But you know so what? They, since that game, and as you referenced, the colossal meltdown, it's over. It's just been over. I think, yeah, I think it's it's probably tantalizing for ownership to say, all right, well, yeah, obviously there's been some blown leads here, but he did get the Falcons to a 25 point lead in the Super Bowl. Can they can they just get back to that point? And the answer is clearly no. I think the ship and is sailed. It's some. tough to come back from that. Come on, football. And those are the things we learned on NFL Sunday this week. Any other final thoughts on just quick thoughts on Vikings or Twins here? We're, it's going to be a packed week on Mackie and Judd and a packed week on Purple Daily. So there will be a ton to get to. Twins are going to end their uh, 16 game playoff skid on Tuesday. Kenta oh, Maida will beat Zach Granke. And don't forget, too, don't forget Maeda. Former Dodger also has a stake in shoving it up the Astros. You know what? <laughs> and Kanta Maeda has been damn good. I feel like Maeda has probably just been waiting for this moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you know what? Three years. Cue the I, Phil Collins. Yeah, I think he's a competitive dude, and I think he is going to be very excited. And he's their ace. Yes, he's uh, Undisputed ace. Not a bullpen guy here. Yep. 
So uh, we're looking forward to uh, to wrapping these games right after they're over. You're going to be able to check out Score North Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube.com slash Score North MN. And we will be all over it. Thanks for hanging out with us today on this Monday version of the Mackie and Judd podcast. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup. So you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. The Venture X Card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.